Hi, I'm Josh Gibbons. And I'm Stan Gibbons. And welcome to this episode of Rescuing Churches, the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where it's always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. And speaking of church revitalization and 614 Ministries, that's actually the topic of today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. What exactly is church revitalization and how do we here at 614 go about accomplishing that task and engaging in that mission? Dad, what does church revitalization, which we've branded as rescuing churches, mean to you? Well, exactly that. We've both been researching and noticing a trend of uh, churches failing and uh, churches losing not only membership, but actually closing their doors. That's been very uh, painful to watch. I've been a pastor for 40 plus years now, and I am in love with the bride of Christ. I find uh, everything to do about church life uh, not only fascinating, but inspiring. And I believe God wants those churches to be healthy and vital. They're vital to a community. He wants them to be healthy. And so uh, part of rescuing churches for us, revitalizing them, is I want to come alongside those that are struggling, failing, thinking about, uh, you know, a negative future and we want to turn their thoughts around and say, Hey, there's a purpose and a vision and a mission for you. God did. There's no accident that somebody started your church. If it's a good evangelical church, there's no accident in that. God had a purpose and a plan. And if at all possible, we'd like to come alongside you and prop you up for a little bit, strengthen you uh, at your core, give you hope and encouragement, give you a renewed vision. If you need it uh, right out of the scriptures, not anything we make up, uh, but we'd love to, rescue uh, you from the low ebb that you're at to get you stable so you can decide how God's going to use you in your future. Amen. We'd love to rescue you from decline. Church decline is a huge thing right now. And and a lot of churches, 80% of churches in America are in some form of decline. I think it might be important here for the sake of our listeners if we clarify what church revitalization isn't. So let's be clear that church revitalization is not the same thing as church planting or church replacement A lot of people tend to lump all this together, and it's Mm -hmm. not the same thing. Church planting is a form of evangelism that produces or results in the formation of a new church in a local community. Typically, church planting occurred historically when a group of believers moved into a community or into an area where there were other unbelievers, and they had to carry out the biblical models of discipleship and evangelism, and that would form a church, Yeah, what we would call now today a church plant. And we have some good friends that just left for Las Vegas to yes. do that. Yes, and we do. They're, they're planning a church there. They're going to start small groups in homes, cell groups, and two, two different families went, and they're going to start cell groups in their homes, Yep. Uh, <clears throat> take those Bible studies and grow them, 
and hopefully create some more Bible studies. And in a year's time or so, they hope to launch a church, a small church um, that can be vital to that community. That's church planting. Right. You can even take that back to the earliest days of the Apostle Paul, the churches at Ephesus and some other places. Church revitalization, on the other hand, is different in that it's something that occurs within an existing church, a church that is already there. It involves starting a it doesn't involve starting a new church. That's what church planting is. Church revitalization is the process of working to bring a dying church back to life. But also church revitalization is not church replacement. We want to clarify that. Some people think that it is. And I would even venture to say some people might wish that it was. <laughs> it is not a, a process of replacing a church with another church right. or a whole bunch of people with more people or going in and replacing leadership with several leadership. different ways. Churches are doing that now. Right. Some, some churches are being adopted Two two small churches are struggling, trying to blend together to make one new, healthier, stronger church. So that's, that's one factor that goes into that. And that can take a lot of different ways. It's a ton of challenges to do that. Not a bad thing to try if the Lord leads you to, but it's challenging. And then you also have, healthy churches say say this church plant that we just talked about uh, they may want to they may get healthy get 100 150 members and find a church right down the road from them that's 20 and 25 and declining they may want to adopt that church to help them and so there's different ways of adoption do you adopt them into your church um, which some something you were kind of applying do, do you do you absorb one church into the other does the stronger church adopt the other church say hey we're just going to come alongside and prop up your finances prop up your staff for a little bit we're going to give you some some energy and some wind in your sails because we want you to keep going on the path you're on um, do we have a mutual vision do we have two different visions for the community all that stuff works into the when churches are trying to work together. Right. We can help with some of that. Uh, it's not really something we've, we've worked on thus far, but we could help with it. The real thing we want to do is come to the church that's declining or struggling and pastors that are discouraged, whether they're senior pastors in their senior years like me, uh, who've been at it 40 something years. And after a while, you just feel like, Man, wow, this is hard. Or they're younger pastors that are saying, wow, this is harder than I ever imagined. I'm not sure I want to keep doing this. And we want to come alongside those ministries, leadership teams, some churches without pastors. We know of two or three in our community right here. I just recently learned of two new ones that have been without pastors for several months. And they're in decline without a pastor. That's a challenge. So maybe we can come alongside and help them as well. I think it's also important that we note here that church revitalization is the aim to, as you sort of alluded to there, to restore a church to its previous stability and its health so that it can be effective in the local community. And at 614, that's really what we want to see with these churches that we work with is those is to be to be sure that a church can still be effective at ministering to its local community with the gospel so that it can do what God called it to do right. from the start. Originally, And the second point of clarification here is that church revitalization is also not church growth. Right. I really want to make a note of this. It is not a guarantee of church growth, especially numerical growth. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of church growth strategies that you can apply into church revitalization. And we can have a whole conversation about that on another episode sometime. You can try to grow a church to a new size. But church revitalization focuses on health and survival for a church that is struggling, a church that's in trouble and knows it's in trouble. 
Churches in need of revitalization need to be restored to life. Sometimes this might mean implementing church growth strategies, but numerical growth should never be the end goal or the end intention. Survival and spiritual health are always the end goals of revitalization. Yeah, and spiritual health is really what what we have found is sometimes the ministry team or minister, if it's a small church, is one guy, uh, is just exhausted. Burnout is very common. Uh, discouragement and depression is really high. It runs really high in ministry teams and ministers. And so what we found is sometimes we need to come alongside and make sure the health of the minister is okay. And that, that's sometimes simply translates into, Oh, so one of your people picked on you and said some really harsh things and made you feel bad and want to go out and strangle that person that, or yourself. That, that never happens. It in never happens. It never so happens. all I have to do is say, Oh, I've been there, done that, right. you know, yearly. <laughs> so have 35 stories I could tell you in my 40 years of that. And we can talk through those and it lets them know, we're, you know, we'll all get through this. But sometimes it's longer than that. Sometimes you got to say, hey, what's what's causing this spiritual weakness, uh, lack of health you have personally? If the pastor's healthy, uh, sometimes the church itself, he's he's overlooked some things in the church that makes churches healthy, whether it's the fellowship aspect or the evangelism aspect or discipleship aspect. And so we come alongside to kind of evaluate some of that and say, hey, let's talk about, you know, how, how are you doing in these things? Who Who's discipling who? Um, who's qualified to be a good discipler in your church. If there's nobody else but you qualified, now the whole thing falls on you, and it means you haven't transmitted your discipleship qualities to somebody else in your church. And, you know, sometimes that's a, you know, pastor looks at you and goes, well, I just don't have enough time to do that now. we got to figure out your time issues and where are we prioritizing things. So we can look at priorities and what are the priorities of your church and your vision and those kind of things. And sometimes a lot of times what we see as well is, there are even pastors that are in trouble and don't know they're in trouble. There are pastors that have churches that they need help with and don't know that they need help, don't think that they need help. In your role at 614, how do you help pastors that are burned out, stressed, depressed, frustrated, uh, ready to quit? We offer pastor-to-pastor counseling. Yeah, there's a lot of coaching goes into this. So how does that kind of play out for you? Yeah, we just had a pastor we were just talking to a few minutes ago, and I'm going to call him and check on him. A right. Bit. <laughs> so, um, but but the, but but we do a lot of that uh, coaching, and and some of what we can do, some of what I can do, just because I've been there and done that, is compare stories and give you some years of here's some. You know, I always like to have years of bad ideas and one or two good ideas in there. Um, but I can tell you how we handle different things. It's like we, process of elimination. Yeah. How like, do you handle board members that are just out of control? Right. You know, how do you handle, what, what are some ways to do that? I can tell you some ways not to do it. I learned that. <clears throat> and I can tell you some ways to do that. Um, you know, how, how do you handle the criticism that's almost weekly, uh, from a church, especially one that's in decline? There's almost weekly criticism and the expectations is you as a pastor are supposed to fix everything and, you're the reason nobody's coming. <laughs> so, um, but, but all of that is something that just years of experience can come alongside and help with and encourage. And, and I don't mind telling a lot of the, the vulnerable stories that I have from my ministry days, uh, into those scenarios that they're, they're wrestling with as well. So, you know, all of that to say the ministry minister needs to be cared for. And then we need to look at the ministry itself. And I have been the pastor that was blinded to what was weak in our ministry. I can say in all three churches I've served in long term, four total, 
um, one short term, but all three that I've been at long term, I can say I had a bunch of blind spots that looking back now, 40 years of ministry later, I could see they were blind spots. Um, so you were just saying a minute ago, Josh, that sometimes a pastor doesn't even know. Yep. I was that guy. <laughs> so you've been, you've been probably there. will be again, yep. you know, in my next 10 or 20 years of ministry. So, but I do want to, to pastors to know it's okay to have a blind spot as long as somebody's showing you the blind spot and you want to make a turn and, and look at some alternatives. So I don't mind lovingly, gently guiding some of that. Dad, anybody who knows you knows that you're passionate about discipleship, and it's one of the things that I've watched you my whole life disciple so many different people, a lot of men especially. In revitalizing a church, we want to make sure that they have a healthy discipleship model. It's one of the key things that we look for. What are you looking for, and how do you help pastors implement that? Yeah, well, obviously, we're just going to follow Jesus' model, and being a C student, I take that to mean... Uh, it doesn't have to get complicated. We don't have to have heavy theology in it. I've done some discipleship groups that were probably at what would be considered a Bible college level, but that's not necessary. What, what Jesus did was walk with his guys, talk with them while they walked, worked together with them and shared with them how to be loving like he loves. So we walk, we talk, we share and we love and, and you just get involved in somebody's life and help them grow up in their faith. A little bit at a time. Doesn't have to be a lot. You don't have to push somebody. Um, you're just leading like a shepherd. And I think discipleship is at the core of any healthy ministry. Um, I, I see these churches just bloom and take off huge, these big uh, kind of new movements. And when I look at all that, <clears throat> my question is, is anybody discipling that massive room full of young people that are all excited about the music, the message, the methodologies of that church, are we actually pulling them away from crowd into smaller groups and discipling them towards a faithful walk with Christ? Because we're not doing that, then it's all just a a momentary high spiritually that doesn't have any roots to it. And the Bible says we're to be rooted and grounded. And discipleship is the way you do that. You, you, you bring people along. You know, Paul tells Timothy, I'm going to pour into you, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I'm going to pour these things into you, and I want you to pour them into the next guy and him to pour it into the next guy. Um, so discipleship is is literally reproducing yourself multiple times over because you're walking close to Christ. Now you're getting a friend that's close to you walking close to Christ, and he's getting a friend close to him walking close to Christ. Pretty soon you got a chain of people, somebody in your wake. <laughs> I always ask pastors who's in your wake. Um, so in your wake that <clears throat> is following Christ. Amen. And pastors need to have a strong commitment to that, especially pastors that are pastoring churches that are in need of revitalization or pastors like yourself that are trying to revitalize churches need to have a strong commitment, not only to just God's word and the sound teaching and preaching of the word, exegesis of the word and all of that, but a sound commitment to discipleship. We can't overstate that enough. And we have overstated that on several previous podcast episodes. So you can track back into our archives and find that. Um, yeah, you might drop those in the note show notes. I can definitely drop those in the show notes. Dad, I've known you your whole life. Yeah, that's because you're my son. In my 34 <laughs> years of living on this earth, you have done, I don't know how many weddings. You've counseled, I don't know how many families through difficult times, hard circumstances. 614 Ministries is equipped to do family and or couples conferences. We've done seminars. We've done relationship seminars. 
you preached from First Timothy 5 this morning on the need for the church to have strong relationships and to function as a healthy family. Why is the need for this so great in our culture right now, especially even in our churches? Yeah, I think I'm almost at 100 weddings now, so be real close to that, if not over it. Wow, you're keeping track. Yeah, yeah, I keep a list. Um, relate Family relationships is all through the scriptures, and the church itself is to function like a healthy family. So if you have a family in your church, discipling them is meant to get them functioning healthy together. There's plenty of scriptures that teach you how to do that, how to how to be devoted first to Christ. If I'm devoted to Christ, uh, then I'm going to follow his ways in my relationship with my wife or my spouse. Um, and then I'm going to learn how to communicate as he instructs me to communicate. The Bible says, you know, let your speech be seasoned with grace. So communication in my home cannot come from a selfish motive. It has to come from grace. Uh, I'm going to learn how to have healthy integrity with one another. Let my yes be yes and my no be no, James 5. Um, integrity is is I'm going to be a man of my word. If I tell you I'm going to take out the trash, I'm going to take out the trash. If I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to make an apology, not an excuse for dis, for not honoring my word. And that builds my integrity in my home as a man and as a woman, you can do the same. And then ultimately, I'm going to learn how to show grace. I, I tell couples that the most important thing they can do is fall in love with the grace of God in their life. Learn how much grace God gives you. Learn the depth, the height, the width, the, you know, the length of his grace to you. And then say, I want to take that same grace I've learned about and show it in my family. I'm going to live it out in my family. I believe that's what a wedding is. It's a, a wedding is two people committing themselves to learn God's grace and share it with one another. And I think it's real important that, that couples do that. So when we come into a church to help with maybe a family seminar, we're going to focus on those elements and teach families um, how to practice those basic principles of Scripture, communication, personal devotion, communication, integrity, and grace, how to f- practice those in their home so that the home gets healthier. Amen. Kind of coming back to this idea of revitalization for a minute, this whole notion of going in to revitalize a church a lot of times and you being a seasoned pastor know this yourself just from the church that you've pastored other churches that you've ministered in a lot of times you can go in to do sort of a organic type of revitalization where you're going to try to implement some new strategies you're going to try to teach the church leaders how to implement new method ministry methodologies but when that happens there's usually some resistance from some faction or group within the church that is resistant to change. There's always that little group for the most part that resists change. And it's, it's kind of human nature to resist change. I was going to say, I resist change. Right. Totally understand that. The the church is, can be full of that sometimes. What would you say to in, in a revitalization situation where you have a church that is needing to change something or, Otherwise, it's going to die. It's mm-hmm. it's revitalize and change or die. Mm-hmm. How do you speak into that situation? Well, you encourage the pastor and the leadership team to be patient with that change, to be very clear in their communication of why we're going to make that change, um, to, to communicate, communicate, communicate. That's really important. The why is important. The values are important. If your, your whole church is on the page of valuing lost people, valuing discipleship, valuing healthy church life, and this is something the leadership team, the minister and others have decided is actually the elders have decided is actually going to help us accomplish that same goal. 
then you're just asking the people to be patient with you. And I, and I think sometimes you have to, you know, you pull the Band-Aid off fast or you can pull it off slow. Either way, the Band-Aid needs to come off. Some churches need to be very patient uh, with with that and take a little bit of time. But some may be in such a decline that you have to say, hey, we really need you to step up to this now. And um, we've not found any that we need to rush with. But we have found some that we need to say, let's Let's move that along. Let's, let's, let's move it along. Yeah, swiftly. let's take. There, there's several good books written on that. I'll try to find the references of those for you later. Sure. But it's the it's the idea of, you know, you you move the piece of furniture in the church one inch at a time till eventually it's on the other side of the stage. Everybody goes, hey, when did that get over there? Well, well you know, <laughs> it got over there today in your mind, but it's been slowly getting there for a while. Right. So, and we've talked about already in this podcast episode other kinds of revitalization, acquisitional revitalization, where there's like an adoption from another church Correct. and things like that. There's other approaches like um, covenantal revitalization, which is usually like when you go in to revitalize a church and you're going to have to actually meet with the leaders and sign some kind of agreement. Right. This, These are the things we're going to do over X amount of months, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to bring the church to this place by this deadline. Right. And it's because you've learned at that point about the leadership. It, it's going to have to get done. Yeah. But I, I have to give them a deadline. I have to give them a deadline. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. Right. Is that something that you would say you're pro or against? Or Depend, it, depend, yeah, it depends on the depends church. On the depends on the leadership team. Depends on the, the potential of the church and its community. If the church has been dragging its feet for a very long time but knew, knew what it should be doing but still hasn't got there, you may want to create a covenant like that with right. them. If you're the team coming in, if we're the team coming in revitalizing, we can say, hey, we really want to help you, but you've got to give yourself some deadlines. Mm. Um, you know, typically 614 doesn't take any level of authority with the church. We take a relational line. Some of those covenant things are when a denomination is actually looking to take, you know, lead another church into growing. And that denomination is actually having to step in and help. Um, and so they would say, Hey, if you don't X, Y, Z as a denominational tier, if you don't do X, Y, Z, we're going to have to take this church and give it to somebody else. So we, we don't take that line of authority at sure. all. We're non-denominational. We actually sure. come alongside any church that, that's evangelical that we can just be a blessing to and encouragement to. And just for the sake of uh, our promotion here on our own podcast, uh, we don't charge anything. We, we, we raise our own funds. And uh, if you can't afford to house us, we'll take care of our own housing while we're there. Um, we don't mind a love offering if you have one, um, but we don't actually charge to come help your church because I just I don't want to see any more churches close. Right. And I want to figure out how to help churches not close. That's right. We are a fully funded 501c3 nonprofit organization, state of Alabama approved, whole nine yards. So I think that's good. I mean, with over 300,000 churches in America that are in need of revitalization, this is a very, very important topic. It's a very important mission for us to be on. And one of the most important things I think that pastors and church leaders can yeah, be focused and on. Thousands right of churches a year are going to close. We think COVID is going to push that number even higher. Some churches that I know of are already looking at closing their doors because COVID has been so painful to them. Yeah. I, I think also, and this is just something that I know that you, you've asked me about before, is my role within the ministry in terms of church communications right. and digital and social media. There's a lot of churches out there right now that are in need of that media upgrade in need of help <laughs> in that area. Yes. Particularly within the sphere of revitalization. Well, it's one of the things you and I have found in small churches 
um, that you're you're very essential to helping them because you come in with an understanding of the social media world and how to get the the name of the church. We've used the term brand, right? Not a big favorite of mine, but it's just what we're doing. <laughs> um, we get the brand of that church into the community through social media, which everybody's using now. And if your church isn't, it's behind the times. And Josh is happy to tell you, it's behind the times. I'll be more than Let's happy set a deadline and get it going. More than happy to help you out with that. And really, the ultimate goal of that within the sphere of church revitalization, and this is what I want people to hear and understand, is. It's just another platform and another venue for your church to be able to share the gospel with your community. So I know that a lot of small churches can be hesitant to it or resistant to it because it's technology. I've seen and experienced some of that or either that or it's an unfamiliar territory. You see that as well. But regardless of all of that, when we are able to work through those things with the pastors, when we're able to do training sessions and we're able to help them understand those things and run their websites, run their Twitter accounts, their Instagrams, their Facebooks, and all of that, and help push a gospel message out to the community that actually connects with the community, it starts connecting with a whole new demographic. And they start seeing engagement. They start seeing people leaving comments on things. They start seeing people say, hey, I'm going to come to your service. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, next next week. And and you said the key word there is gospel. We are gospel-centered. Absolutely. We think the church, the reason for discipleship, the reason for family ministry, the reason for Bible training, the reason for good teaching, the reason for media is to get for a church to get the gospel into the community and see lives converted into true Christianity, followers of Christ, and then see those people grow in their faith. And it's the, really the two main functions of the church. And we want to come alongside and see that happen. We want to see Christ exalted by your church and the gospel message proclaimed and exalted very high. So that the community is benefited from that. And every church that's sitting in a community right now that's struggling, we want you to hear us. Every church that's struggling, we want to help you. And we don't know if we can, but we believe God's called us to try. And so we'll come alongside you for free and just hang out with you, talk through some things, maybe give you some fresh ideas, uh, maybe revitalize some old ideas, maybe find a way to connect you and network you with some other people that can help you come alongside Um, But we want to see you thrive in the community and become a bright light of faith there and a a light of the gospel and not fade away. So give us a shot. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring as always. If you'd like to give us some thoughts and feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you at 601-909-0614. Or you can email us at 614rebuild at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 614rebuild.